Does everybody usually walk out on Jackie too, Levi? Okay. I just maybe didn't want to feel bad. (laughs) Well, I'm not Jackie. He's in California, as you can see. Uh, He's teaching at Joshua Springs. And he asked me last week, he asked the elders if anybody wanted to cover for him. And I said, sure, I've got something that God's been working on my heart for a number of years. And I hope it uh, ministers to you. Um, this is a message for me, but I'm sure it's, uh, you'll find it helpful and, and meaningful to you as, as well. I want to start with, uh, by reading Isaiah chapter 40. I know that's not where you are, but that's where I was, and I'm, I'm, I don't have the ability to change gears quite as fluently as Jackie does, so you've got to take, take what I have. I, don't, I have uh, specifically that word wait has been on my to-do list, uh, really, ever since I retired seven years ago. That's, that's the word the Lord has given me uh, specifically in Psalm 47.10, be still and know that I am God. So I've been trying to do that, and I, I thought that would be a pretty easy task, and I'm finding that it's not that easy. So I'm going to share with you some, some thoughts and some, a lot of scriptures, and my goal tonight is to give you some things to take away that will help us find that place of waiting on God, finding his presence, and most importantly, hearing his voice. Um, So Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to read out of the ESV. And as I go through this, I want you to pick out all of the different attributes of God's greatness. We sang about it, about how great he is, and I want you to really focus and grab on to the characteristics that are mentioned uh, in Isaiah chapter 40 about his greatness. Uh, So here it is. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord our God will stand forever. The greatness of our God Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. 
Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord, Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for a silver for its silver chains. Who is he too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot? He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When it blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In those verses, did you catch some of the... My inclination is to ask questions and have you raise your hand and answer them, but this isn't a classroom, so I'll just... Go with the format. But think about all the things they talk about in that in that chapter. His his comfort in verse one, 
his restoration in verse 2, how he removes obstacles in verse 4, how he reveals his glory in verse 5, how his word endures in verse 8, his omnipotence in verse 10, his gentleness in verse 11, his wisdom in verse 13, his knowledge in verse 14, his majesty in verse 22, his omniscience in verse 26, and his strength promised in verse 31. And there's probably others in there as well. We serve a great God. Uh, And in this time in our history, in this time in our country, uh, we need to remember what the word has to say about who God is and what he's able to do because we don't hear it much outside these walls. In fact, just the opposite. And my goal is to encourage you with what the word has to say and to have you come out uh, at 8 o'clock here with an encouraged spirit, uh, with hope, and with renewed vigor to, uh, to go out. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, now remember, in Isaiah, he's addressing people in exile. Uh, they've been exiled uh, in Babylon. And, you know, I sort of thought, that's sort of how I feel sometimes. I turn the news on and I see what's going on, and I'm just not a part of that stuff. I mean, the, the things that you see now, the things that are happening, the things they're calling right, uh, that's not the world that I grew up in. I sort of feel like I'm in exile, only there's no place to hide. It's all around us out there. Uh, and so how do we overcome that feeling of being exiled and being isolated uh, outside of these walls? In here, we're good. You know, we have like-minded people. We're, we're, uh, we're singing his songs. We're, we're worshiping him, studying his word. But outside of here, it's a whole different ballgame. And we need to learn how to carry that same sense of his presence that we have here outside with us. So in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, in the Amplified, which I use a lot, I like the way that it expands on the words and includes adjectives. It says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. That's the verse that I want to emphasize. The whole chapter is great. I just want to, I want to dial in on a weakness that I have, and that is to find that place of his presence where I'm still, my quiet, my soul is quiet and calm. Um, I'm content. I'm enjoying his presence right in the midst of a crazy world that's spiraling out of control. And uh, I find myself oftentimes engaging in the warfare the way the world does instead of the way God tells us to. So I'm going to give you some, some ideas here as we go through 
Uh, if you'll notice, that word renew will gain new strength and renew their power. That word uh, in the Hebrew is an exchange. That means that we give him something and he gives us something in, in return. And the exchange that, that we desire is his peace for all of the cares and concerns that we carry around every day. Anybody carrying anything today? Pardon? That's what we're supposed to do. You know, we all came in here and we have burdens. We have concerns. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes they weigh me down and they, they get to me. Uh, usually for me, my, between the hours of 12 and 4, the first time I have to get up in the middle of the night for old age reasons, uh, that's when it starts. And I have all these thoughts coming into my head. And uh, partially it's the enemy, partially it's my flesh. But I start thinking, and I can't turn my head off. And before long, I'm all revved up, wired, and I have no peace. So I start praying, and I, I, I try to get back to that, that place of rest that I know I'm supposed to be. But in the middle of the night, when it's dark and, and uh, you're sort of caught off guard, your, your defenses are down, it's a weak time. It's a weak spot. So we have to learn to arm ourselves for those. And it can come any time during the day as well. All it takes is a phone call, you know, with some news. Uh, it, can, it can come a lot of different ways. But I want to try to equip us tonight with some tools to, to uh, learn how to wait on God, like we, say, like we sang in that last song. To recognize his greatness and to implement those in our waiting process. Psalms 42 and verse 5 says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become restless and disturbed within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. So life's circumstances are on us every day. Uh, we have things come up and we have to deal with them and we react to them. Sometimes we react, uh, hopefully we'll respond in the right way. But we all come. David, who I, I think is the author of this song, surely had his ups and downs. We've been studying him in uh, BSF. Anybody go to BSF? Any of you gals? Nobody? Well, we're studying uh, people of the promised land, and David's a big part of that. And we've been studying his life all of this year and, and last. And, and it's amazing what, you know, a man after God's own heart, what his life looked like. It was a disaster. Uh, he was up one day, down the next. He was committing adultery one day, murdering the next, worshiping through the whole thing and crying out to God. And, uh, and he was a man just like, like we are. He, he had a lot of good days and a lot of bad days, but he learned the secret. And I think his secret was finding that place in Christ through his prayer and his worship. So he says, why are you in despair, O my soul? Where, where does this battle take place with you? 
probably the same it does for me, right? Between my ears. The, the, world, the worldly stuff, that's not so much. But the battlefield really is in the mind. There have been a lot of books written on that. Um, if we can adjust our attitude, then things are good. If we can't, not so. The battle really uh, is in our mind. That renewing of the mind process, that exchange process, process that he talks about is what, what we want to try to uh, learn how to do quickly. You know, Philippians 4.8, uh, it's not on the, the list, but remember what it says that, that we're supposed to uh, think about, whatever is true and noble and, and right and pure and lovely and admirable. It says to think on these things. How does that, how's that working for you 24-7? What percent of the day are you doing that? Some days more than others, and, and that's, the way, that's the way life is. And yet God is making us into his image, and he's creating in us that same mindset that Christ had when he walked here. And that renewal process, I believe, is during that time period when we make that exchange, when we... Wait on God. When we stop doing, making all of our complaints or admonitions or whatever, and we say, Lord, you know, I'm crying out to you. Here I am. Hear me. More importantly, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to sense your presence. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. As if we don't have enough trouble of our own between our own two ears, we have a devil out there who's constantly speaking to us and trying to uh, catch, catch us off guard. Uh, it's amazing how I can find myself engaging in something or saying something so quick and bang, I'm totally... Out of God's presence, I'm in the world, I'm in the flesh, and it's not good. The enemy is out there, and I'm not blaming everything on him because it's surely not all of, all of him, but he is out there, and he is trying to deceive and destroy and rob us of our peace any way he can. And we have to be sober-minded, it says, and to be watchful because he does have a goal. He's the prince of this earth. He's been given the power. And we cannot underestimate his power. We can't just throw it off. He is powerful. He has all of the power that God has given him for this time period. It's not unlimited, but uh, it's, it's there. But fortunately, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive. I don't know about you, but I need a secretary. For that. I need somebody with, that has the ability to, 
turn, turn my mouth off or my thought life. Because, again, it can happen so fast. Uh, and the enemy has a lot to do with that. He tries to lure us in to situations to try to tempt us to get us in a place that, that we shouldn't be. But our goal is to take every thought captive. So how, how come we don't? How, how come we in this world? Well, I came across this little cartoon that sort of has some of the distractions of this world. You see all the different, you got the shepherd up there shouting on the, I can't even see it, uh, up on the hill and he's reading another book about sheep and he's got his Bible and the radio on, his ear, earbuds in, listening the way, laptop open, TV on, so many things coming at him. Maybe they're all religious things. Maybe they're, he's reading the Bible and watching TVN and and, you know, doing all the things. But he's distracted with all of the outside noise. And that, that's sort of the way we are. We get so involved in, in doing that we forget that we are a being, that we are supposed to be still. That's our first, that's our first thing. Uh, God created us for his pleasure, primarily for for enjoyment, and we're supposed to enjoy him more than anything else. And we make so many substitutes. We fill ourselves with activity, lots of times good activity. But how's our relationship with him? How are we enjoying him one-on-one in the quietest moments of our life? Do we have those quiet moments where we just bask in his presence? John 5.19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son, the son does likewise. Notice, he only does what he sees the Father doing. Now that's an interesting discussion for the roundtable about the discussion the Father has the son has with the father. But the idea is that he's always looking to his father. Hebrews 12 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Constantly, uh, Jesus was looking to the father for guidance and direction. And we're supposed to do the, the, the same thing. In Psalms 32 It says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you, counsel you with my eye upon you. In that Last part of verse 6, surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You know, I have to make sure that I don't wait until I have a crisis to find him. I have to be in him when the crisis comes. Otherwise, we're in trouble. 
We have to find that place of his presence where, where we feel the joy and the peace and the rest. And it comes by making it a priority every single day. And for me, if I miss my quiet time in the morning, I just don't feel right. Whenever we go see the grandkids or uh, even on hunting trips, I, I try to do it. But if I don't get that quiet time with him in the morning and get the word open and spend it with him, my day just doesn't start well and it doesn't go nearly as well. But making that time with him a priority, maybe you can't do it first part of the day. My daughter asked for prayer because she has three young kids. And, you know, when you have three young kids, your quiet time is pretty diminished. And she's been praying about opportunity. How, where, can she, where can she find uh, time during the day to withdraw and just be alone with God? It's really tough, but we have to make it a priority. And uh, God will honor that. Notice it says the word Selah. And it's mentioned a whole bunch of times in Psalms. That word Selah means pause and calmly think about that. Pause and calmly think about it. To me, that speaks of meditation. It just speaks that, okay, stop. Don't try to figure anything out. Just stop and listen. Meditate. That word is mentioned 73 times in the book of Psalms. Obviously for an important reason. We need to stop and listen. Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my defense and my strong tower. I will not be shaken or disheartened. How long will you attack a man so that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They consult only to throw him down from his high position, to dishonor him. They delight in lies. They bless with the words of their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone, my soul waits in silence and quietly submits to him, for my hope is from him. There's a word in there, silence. We don't get a lot of silence in this world. Have you ever noticed wherever you go, airport has TV going? Restaurants have the radio going. Uh, you always have your phone going off. Uh, there's noise everywhere. It's hard to find that place of silence. And then when you do, how many of you like me, if I were to give you the assignment right now to take five minutes in silence and wait on God, what do you think would happen? I did this in Sunday school class one time and I said, okay, we're, we're going to study just being quiet before God. He commands it over and over again, as you've heard already so far with the scriptures. So we tried it. I said, okay, class, we're going we're to wait on God in silence. I'm going to step back 
and we started. And if I did it here, I'll tell you what will happen because you're no different than all the rest of us. Uh, it, it'd be good for a while, for a minute or two, but then you would start drifting. Your mind would wander. You'd think about something else involuntarily. One guy started snoring after about five minutes. Bless his heart. <laughs> That's you, Keith. Yeah. Low blood pressure. Blame it on that. But one of the greatest disciplines I think that we're missing and one of the greatest blessings, because we don't know how to do it well, is to learn. There goes the cell phone, pointing, point making. Thank you for that. Uh, one of the greatest blessings that we're missing is learning how to be still and be quiet and to wait to hear God's voice. It's hard to do. I admire my brother-in-law, and I don't think he does this for, for this reason, but I've sort of made it a goal to adapt this in my life, and I've tried it a few times unsuccessfully, but he takes a chair and he goes out in his backyard and he just sits. And my sister tells me, yeah, he does it all the time. He just, and I, he came out and visited us this summer. I said, Randy, uh, how do you do that? He says, oh, I'm just, I just listen to the birds and I just enjoy life and Boy, I sure admire the ability somebody be able to do that. But that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to stop and to be still and to wait on him and listen so we can hear his voice. But boy, does it take priority and planning and discipline. I want to read to you a... I get a devotional from David Jeremiah. And this article was on God speaks through silence. Listen to what he says. This is, this is from, uh, actually, he quoted a book called uh, Retreat of the Soul. And it's written by a, a number of pastors. But he quoted a portion from that book. And this is what the author says. Silence itself is a form of communication rarely spoken in our noisy world. In silence, we speak to God, and in silence, God speaks to us. We need to learn to speak the language of silence. It is very much like learning to speak another language. It takes time, effort, patience, and practice. And we learn best by doing. Silence is a good thing, a practical thing, a wise thing. Yes, there is a time when words are needed, but there is also a time when silence is required, in order to hear the wisdom of God, appreciate the greatness of God, and enjoy the presence of God. It's a great quote and a great goal for us to, to have. Remember Elijah at Mount Carmel, what happened to him when he called down God and, and put out the fire and, and a tremendous miracle. Uh, and I think it's in First uh, Kings 19. Let me, let me pull that up real quick. Let me find it here. First Kings 19. It's not on the, on the list. Just had this thought. Elijah was a great man. 
did powerful things, saw the, saw the uh, miracles that God did in his life. And in First Kings verse 19 and verses 11 and 12 says, uh, this is when the Lord appears to Elijah and after he's taken off, ditched, after the miracle, he, he says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. What did the wind do to you last night? Did it shake you up a little bit? I told told Keith, I thought the wrath of God was coming on our house and we were going to be taken home. I mean, it was blowing 50 miles an hour. and It was unsettling at the very, very least. I mean, it was powerful. But God wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper came a gentle whisper. There was that quiet voice that if you weren't listening, you wouldn't have heard. Elijah wasn't listening at the moment. You know, the, the whole thing with, with silence and, and its opposite, noise, uh, a lot of scientific studies have been done. There was a, an, well, this really wasn't a scientific study, but the, the Washington Post put out an art. I mean, yeah, Washington Post put out an article uh, that uh, there was a bluebird nest uh, next to a, a, I think it was a gas compressor, some type of compressor, natural gas compressor, built a nest about 75 yards away. And there was a bird watcher, bird lover that had been observing the bird. Uh, by the way, the bluebird is what? It's our state bird. Uh, and it observed this, this bird and watched and it laid eggs and, and the babies were born, but they died. And so this guy took the bird, took it to the lab, uh, Natural Audubon Society, I think he took it, no, Florida Museum of Natural History, to see what it died of. And it had the same, same physiology as people with PTSD, the stress level of the bird actually killed it, the stress hormone. In our body, stress releases a hormone called cortisol, and if your cortisol levels are high, it can totally mess up your body, causes all kinds of malfunction in our body. That's what noise can, just the simple sound of of a compressor. Think what the blaring sounds of big cities are. You know, a lot of people get used to it and like it, but noise uh, definitely can cause stress and cause physical issues along with it. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What does the word wait mean? It's just a four, little four-letter word. Well, the word wait in Hebrew means to bind together by twisting. 
to bind together by twisting or expect. I think what the Lord is trying to tell us here when we wait on him, we don't just sit there and do nothing. We sit there and we pursue him. We seek his face. We look to him. We meditate on his word. We think about his greatness and his goodness as we sang and all of his attributes, all of his promises. It's not just idle, wasted time. It's probably the most, the best investment that we could make for our own personal and spiritual health and as well. But to bind together by twisting, that's what the word wait means. Psalm 131 says, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child resting with his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontent. Calmed and quieted my soul. Do you know how many people are on anti-anxiety medications? I mean, this is just from my endocrinologist, which I have an appointment with next, next week. I, I've had thyroid issues, and any of you, if any of you have had thyroid issues or anxiety issues because of hormone levels being wacky, you know what anxiety is like and how unsettling it is. And, and surely the thyroid gland malfunctioning can cause that. But he told me that one in four people are on some type of antidepressant. That's a lot of pills, a lot of people on a lot of pills. A lot of people are in distress and anxious and don't know how to deal with it. And I can, boy, I can tell, I've thought about, three of my sisters are on them. Uh, I, I totally get how people could re- resort to, to trying medication. And in some cases you have to, for sure. But I wonder what it would be like if we, instead we could learn to just retreat and calm our soul and quiet ourselves and just rest and be still before him. I wonder if that would take care of some of our anxiety. Another thing uh, Dr. Malone told me when I was sharing with him some of my symptoms and concerns, he recommended something called Headspace. This is an app you can get on your phone. You can try it and go home tonight. Uh, it's free the first 10 days. And instead of giving pills, which I really respect in him, he encourages his patients to go and try Headspace. Because Headspace is an app. All you do is you turn it on. It's 10 minutes. And they walk you through breathing techniques and relaxation techniques. And I'll tell you what, um, he's not, it's not a religious thing for him, but it works. If you slow yourself down with a lot of deep breathing, inhale, exhale, you're quieting yourself, your body is in a state of rest, and you would be amazed how much better and more relaxed you are. Uh, Breathing is a real important part of finding that place of, of stillness, breathing deeply and slowly. Isaiah 4, Psalm 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Boy, I hate that word, patiently. 
I'm always in a hurry. I don't know about you. Um, I drive too fast. I do things too fast. If I could have slowed down 50 years ago, I could have saved millions of dollars making mistakes. I don't know. Maybe it's in my gene pool. I don't know. But uh, patience is a tremendous thing. And it's the first, When in 1 Corinthians 13, first definition of love is what? Love is patient. That has that same meaning of slowing down and being still. In Psalm 37, it says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Limit yourself to how much news you watch. Otherwise, you feel overwhelmed. The bad guys seem to be winning, but they're not. An author I came across, James Gold, who is one of the authors of Retreat of the Soul, says, Quietness is the incubation bed of revelation. Quietness is the incubation bed of revelation. When's the last time you've gotten a revelation from God or heard his voice? For me, it's been a while. But I desire that. I desire to find that place of quiet where I can hear his voice. In Psalm 19, verse 16, uh, in Psalm 16, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Boy, if there's one thing that I desire, it is to walk in his presence and experience that joy. David cried out to him in Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. You know, in this roller coaster ride of ours uh, called life, we've got to find that place of restoration, that place of joy to give us strength. Acronyms, everybody knows what an acronym is. Acronyms are, are ways to remember things. And so I tried to come up with a, a good acronym to, to help you and to help me uh, remember some of the points of this message. Uh, some of the acronyms that you probably are familiar with, uh, what's the one for joy? Have any, anybody heard that one? Yell it out. I thought I heard some mumbling. No one's heard joy. Jesus, to find joy. Jesus, others, yourself. How about grace? Right. God's riches at Christ's expense. How about stop? Oh, no, that's, that's my Hunter Ed course. I just taught a Hunter Ed course. That's, a, that's a, if you get lost, that's the acronym we teach the kids. It's on the test. Uh, stop. First thing you do if you realize you're lost, stop, 
think, observe, and then make a plan. But that's, that's not a bad acronym for us either. But I came up with the first one, the first acronym for WAIT. What does God, what does the Word say? What does the Word have to say about my situation? Audibly speak His promises. Audibly. What, what is there about speaking out loud? Do you ever speak out loud to yourself? Seems sort of weird to me. Is there any value in talking to yourself out loud? Well, there must be some value in, in speaking out because Proverbs says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. He created the whole universe by the breath of his mouth. He spoke the world into existence. And surely he, he asks us to speak, to speak out. The I stands for insist that our soul submits to God's word. you got to talk to yourself. Remember, there's two people going on, two voices going on inside our heads. You know, there's, there's, there's us, there's the flesh, and then there's the spirit. And they occupy the same space. Sometimes you can't tell which voice is which. And you have to line it up with what the word of God says. And if it doesn't line up, say, no, take that thought, thought captive. Get out of here. That's not of God. You have to say as David did, soul, and then speak to it. Line up with the word of God. In uh, Lamentations chapter 3, I love that chapter. In the first 20 verses, the author is just talking, crying out to God, talking about all the suffering. And finally, in verse 21, he makes there's a huge shift in attitude. And he says, but yet, and his whole, he speaks to his soul and he starts accounting the greatness of God and the goodness of God and he turns his stinking thinking around and gets going in the right direction. And then the T stands for thank him for hearing our requests. You know how God's word tells us to give thanks in all things. Thanksgiving has to be a part of our daily attitude and, and Conversation, And a second acronym I came up with, some scriptures to put it into practice. 1 John 5, 4 for the letter W. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. All things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. Philippians 4, 13 is a great I starter. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the T, thanks be to God who gives me the victory. Quoting scripture is a powerful way to adjust our attitude and to get us into a better frame of mind and direct our thoughts. So those are the the tools that I came up with for finding that place of rest and recognizing God's goodness and and greatness and and learning how to wait on him and listen. Uh, Finding that priority of quiet time, meditating, uh, learning how to just breathe and slow yourself down, slow your body down. Uh, you know, I have one other thing I'll just mention. I use this. It's called Scripture Promises. And there's 27 topically arranged groups of scriptures in here that I turn to. If I have a particular issue that I'm dealing with, anger or lack of peace or uh, whatever, it, they're all healing, 
they're all in here arranged, nothing but scripture. And you can just get online and type in scripture promises and, and make it out. It's right there, printed off. You can just pick it up and start reading the word. And then lastly, uh, a, a last tool is to call friends. Friends, elders, pastors. You know, when, when things aren't going well and you're having a hard time finding that place of rest in him, uh, the body, we're supposed to lean on each other or to bear one another's burdens. You know, we call people up for prayer every Sunday. You don't have to wait until Sunday. You can call them on the phone, and I, I'd encourage you to do that. I know I do it. When I get in a funk, sometimes I'll call up a friend and say, hey, you know, I, I'm having a tough struggle. Would you pray for me? And that's a huge thing. That's what we're supposed to do. And in Ecclesiastes 4, it says that a three-fold three cord, uh, cord, cord is not easily broken. So when we wrap ourselves with God and a friend and start praying, good things can happen. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word, which uh, just leads and guides us, directs us. Lord, I just thank you for uh, this body, for your people. Lord, for the resources that you've given us here that we can call on each other, that we can uh, call on you. We can look to your word. Lord, you've just given us the tools to find that place of rest, to recognize your greatness and your goodness and and your plan for us every day. Lord, I just pray you you would bless your people, that you will give them something tonight that would help them uh, draw closer to you, Lord, to know you better, to recognize uh, what you have for them, Lord, that you just want them to crawl up. You want us to crawl up into your lap and enjoy your presence. Lord, I, I pray today, tonight, as as we end this service, that if there is anyone here that was uh, tweaked a little bit, that felt a nudge, yeah, boy, if there's one thing I need is to find that place of rest, that quietness, to learn how to wait on you and draw that strength and joy. Well, I pray that you would just uh, give them the boldness to come forward after the service, and I'll be up here and, and would love to pray with them. So, Lord, we just ask your blessing on this this evening. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If there is anybody that needs prayer, come on down.